I was given the responsibility tonight to kind of share what God has put on my heart for the past month or so um, as I've been just wrestling with God and praying for you guys and um, just going through scriptures and stuff. And uh, me and my wife, we started a study in Hebrews and uh, we just, I just felt like, you know, God is, there's so much throughout scripture that God just talks about um, the person of Jesus. And so I, I wanted to kind of expand on that tonight. Um, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take an intermission from the life of David, and we're going to look at a passage in Hebrews uh, chapter 4. Um, and as you're turning there, uh, I want to kind of give us a background on, on Hebrews. Um, first being that it has uh, 13 chapters written somewhere between 64 and 68 A.D., um, the authors, we don't really know who they are. Um, there's, not, there's not clear indication of who wrote the book of Hebrews. Only thing we know is that there's this tone throughout the entirety of, the, of this particular book um, that there's an exhortation or encouragement for those who are discouraged in the faith. Um, and so I want to kind of highlight tonight, there's, if I had a title for tonight's message, it would be who we have or what we have in Christ. Um, and there's a, there's a tone um, that I, I want to kind of set before you all. I've been able to have the privilege of um, going to seminary um, for the past two and a half years that I've been here, and I've been learning a ton about uh, biblical theology and, and kingdom theology and um, so, so much um, that uh, stuff that I've, I've, I've never heard in my life, and I've been you know, reading the Bible and walking this Christian life for some time. And um, I just feel, felt the, the newness of Scripture um, in this season uh, as a seminary student. And last, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking through um, this Hebrew word called charismatic. Not charismatic, charismatic. <laughs> charismatic, K-E-R-Y-G-M-A-T-I-C. Charismatic, and it's a Hebrew word for simply a call to respond. And and tonight's message is going to have that tone, a, a call to respond um, to what we hear tonight. So um, let's pray and and ask for the God to uh, just do what he, only He can do for us tonight. God, we thank you so much for this moment, God. I pray that you would step me out of the way and that you would just use me through this moment, God, to clearly communicate the truth of your word and that you would do to the hearts of your people what only you can do. Um, and I thank you for this moment. I thank you for those who are gathered here. And Father, that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, real quick, I, I do want to share a quick story, though. <clears throat> Um, over the Christmas break, I think I shared this the last time I spoke, um, that when I was in uh, Florida, um, I had the opportunity of doing um, my aunt's and my uncle's um, 30th wedding renewal ceremony. And um, that ceremony took place in Jacksonville, Florida. We're not from Jacksonville. Me and my family are from Tallahassee. But we, we drove over, me and my dad, and we're looking for this place and couldn't find it. So I just grabbed my dad's phone and I opened up the apps and clicked on maps and uh, typed in the address, and he, he looked at me. He said, it's, uh, what you doing on my phone? I said, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get us not lost. <laughs> I'm trying to get us to the, to the destination. 
And so, and then, and then Siri started turn, talking, you know, turn left. He's like, uh, that's my phone? I said, yeah, yes. Um, it, it's called Maps. It's, in, it's embedded. It comes with the phone. All you got to do is click this button and type in the address. And if you're driving, you just click the home button, this, this little round button at the bottom of this the other deal, and you speak to Siri, and, and she'll take you wherever you need to go. So I'm like, I didn't even know I had that in my phone. I said, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's for you, free of charge. So we get done with the, with the uh, rehearsal part of the, of the evening, and uh, we're heading back to my uncle Rodney's house. True story. My dad gets the phone. He gets in the car, gets the phone. Silas, Silas, take me to Rodney's house. I said, well, first of all, it's not Silas. It's Siri. And secondly, Siri don't know where Rodney stayed. You got to type in the address. It's great. It's great. We can have these devices and these practical tools to help us function in life, but if we're only using half of these functions, we're limiting our capability. 710, I want us to be fully functioning tonight. Amen? Let's look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may have or may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there's four takeaways I want to take from from these uh, three passages here, and it's all revolving around the person of Jesus. The first takeaway will be uh, Jesus as our mediator, someone who stands in the in, in the gap for us. Jesus as our source for our confession. The third takeaway is Jesus our sympathizer, and the last takeaway Jesus our confidence. So I'm going to try to unpack all of this and do it in an expeditiously time manner. But um, so to kind of unpack what a high priest is, I, I know there's some of us that may not know what in the world is going on when we're looking at Hebrews 14. But a high priest was a religious leader, so a supreme religious leader to the Jews, to the people in the land in, the biblical, in this biblical day. And his job descriptions were to oversee the other priests that were in the land and to make offerings, sin offerings, for all the people in the land. And one of his most important jobs was to uh, make a sin offering once a year. This was called the Day of Atonement. And it was only once a year, and only the high priest could do this. Um, He would take two animals. He would pray for the one take the first animal, pray for it, ask for forgiveness, and then release it into the wilderness, signifying sins being far removed from the people, from the person. And then the second animal he would take and he would sacrifice and get the blood and he would go into the temple. In the temple, in the middle of the temple, there's this place called the Holy of Holies. He's the only one that can enter into this deal. And in this temple, this huge curtain that went from top, top of the, the ceiling to the bottom of the floor, 
called the veil. Behind the veil was his throne, and that was the presence of God. And when the high priest would go into the presence of God, he would take that blood that he sacrificed, and he would sprinkle on the, the seat, the mercy seat, where God was, was, uh, was present in. And here's why all of that is significant. And here's why that, it, just, it just blows my mind at the, at, at the carefulness of God and his, and his infinite wisdom. Because the connection we have here, the, the, the one key component to this whole deal was that in order for you to become a high priest, you had to, you, you, your family, your lineage had to be high priest. Your, your family had to, you had to come. So grandfather, father, great-grandfather, they all had to be priests of some sort in order for you to, be, to, to get into that, that line of work. And this is where in, in 2 Samuel, it ties into verse 14. And I, I want to read this for us real quick. This is a, a promise that God is making to David. In 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16, it says this. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers... I will raise up your offspring after you. You shall come to your, he shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and I, with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love would not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This was fulfilled, this imagery of the kingdom of heaven Having a throne lasting for all of eternity is, is made possible through Jesus. His, his death, burial, and resurrection, and now seated at the right hand of the Father, his kingdom now being in this position to God that will never pass away. And that he's forever in the presence of God interceding on our behalf. That's why we call him Jesus, our mediator, who serves as a, as a, represent, a representative to God for us on our behalf. Back in, in, in high school, my freshman year moving into my sophomore year, um, I, I got into some trouble. And I don't want to go into any kind of details, but it was bad. I uh, got into a fight and... Um, and I, I was expelled from school, arrested, mm -hmm, and had to spend a night in juvie. It's 15 years old. And um, I had a little promising career football-wise at the time. And all of that was in jeopardy. My, my, it was looking like my public high school days was, was over. And the kid that I got into the fight with, his dad wrote a letter to the judge on my behalf. I, I didn't know this, legit, did not know this until like four or five years ago that he did, he, he did this. But he wrote a letter to the judge, and, and, and the letter went something along these lines of, um, Judge so-and-so, please show mercy 
and le have leniency towards this young man. I don't want this isolated incident to jeopardize his, his potential for a, a collegiate future. Had no idea. But this, 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 this man, this father of a kid got wronged, that I, I, I justly deserve to be expelled, I justly deserve to not have an opportunity, decided, you know what, I'm going to step and be a mediator between him and the judge. And that's what Christ does for us day in and day out. The kingdom of, of Christ, his throne, as we read in the Davidic covenant, that, that's 2 Samuel 7, it lasts forever. Christ is forever speaking a better word on our behalf. That's good news tonight. And as a representative of God towards us, he assures us that our sin debt has been paid in full. And that God's forgiveness and his love towards us will never run out. It will always remain. Prior to Christ, no one had the ability to approach the presence of God except for the high priest. And now that we have Christ as our great high priest, no other high priest could pass through the heavens. No other high priest could understand our weaknesses or deliver grace as needed. Only Christ can do that. So as we get to the end of verse 14, which states, so let us hold fast our confession. This is uh, what, what some in the Christian faith, in the Christian world, we, we call this a confession of faith. And that can be found in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, which says this, because we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. As a Christian, as a believer, when we call upon the name of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that Lord meaning he is the ruler of our lives, Savior saving us from mainly ourselves. When we believe that and when we confess that, the response is usually in this format, a, a belief system that obeying God's word, which leads to living out the gospel, is far better than what anything this world could offer us. Living in the truth of God's grace and his mercy towards us is far better than anything we could experience apart from him. So Jesus, as our source of confession, who calls us by name and cleanses us from the inside out, sustains us in his holy glory for all of eternity. First Peter 3, 4 says this, blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the res resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So real quick, if, 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 you're, if you're a believer, if you, if you profess Jesus, just, real, just take a moment right now and think back to the time when you first were saved, when you first became a Christian, when God 
cleansed you and from the inside out. Just, just think back to that moment and what that, what that, that feeling was. What that, just imagine what that was like. Him totally eradicating your life, taking away the sins, cleansing you, and, and send you on a new course for your journey ahead. God has called us out of our darkness into his saving, marvelous light and saving us from eternal separation from him. But there are a few of us in here tonight that are not saved, that are not following the gospel, that are not believing the gospel. And guess what? That's, that's okay. That's okay. I, and I need you to, to look at me right now. This is a community. You don't have to, to believe to belong. But we love and we're so excited for you to be here. This, this is not one of those Christian groups that get together and sing about how great God is because he saved us and, and then woe unto the world because he didn't save them. Our faith is this, that God can do radical and amazing things with anybody. We believe that wholeheartedly. We live it out and we want to experience that and share that. Right here in this community, this 710 community, you belong. You have, you have a place that you can be yourself, that you won't get judged. You won't be, you won't be looked upon as an outcast, but that you will be seriously and fully committed to a bunch of great and awesome Young believers that really just want to show the love of Christ. But to those who are not, I would also be remiss if I didn't make this challenge to you. Seek Christ. Just, just try him. See, won't he show himself readily to you? The songs we sing, the messages we preach, the lifestyle we live is not for a show. It's because we've all have experienced something greater than what this world could ever offer. And the bottom line is this. He knows you better than you know yourself anyway. He knows every hair on top of your head. He knows every bone of your body, every mark of your body, every identical mark, the fingerprints. He gave it to you. He knows you. Psalm 103, 14 says this. For he knows that we were formed and he remembers that we are dust. He knows the deepest parts of us are prone to wander and stray away. He knows it. Psalm 139, 13 says, for he formed you in the inward parts. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. So Jesus, as our sympathizer, being fully God and divine nature and fully human, fully man and human nature, knows and understands us, knows our tendencies and knows our weaknesses. One theologian puts it this way, Jesus fully acquainted 
with human nature and human experiences, has been, te- has been tempted in every way, and he has endured it all, yet without sin. And that's an important thing to, to, to note. He did it all, yet without sin. He knows the seductive traps and the tempting appeals that the world has to offer. We have a sympathetic high priest mediator. We have a sympathetic king in Christ Jesus who has walked a mile in our shoes. So after Mr. Glasner wrote the letter to the judge, the judge granted leniency. Now we're going to fast forward mm, six years later, sophomore year at NAU. Dream come true on college scholarship, football scholarship, fulfilling a dream. And um, it's, it's two a days. So we call it fall camp. This is in uh, around August time frame. Got two practice a day for three weeks. And I am killing it, y'all. Your boy is out there doing work. <laughs> Got reporters out there taking notes like, who is this dude? Number 10 out there doing his thing. Got us in writers and papers. They got, I mean, they got articles and stuff. I got it at the house if y'all want to see it. Um, <laughs> doing work. And then I get a call. This is like the second week of camp. I get a call from my mother that uh, one of my aunts had passed away. And so I'm, I'm kind of distraught and, and, I'm, and I'm trying to figure out like, okay, should I, I know I, I think I need to go. I know I need to go. My mom is kind of saying, well, they understand if you don't come. Uh, my cousins and stuff, you know, you, you, can, you can stay, but it would, it would be really good for you to be here with family and so forth. And so I'll, I'm tell, talking to my position coach. He, he's understanding. He said, hey, you know, do whatever you need to do. We'll be here for you, blah, blah, blah. My head coach, however, has a different tune. Hey, look, Butler, you've been doing great so far. Um, things are going well, but I got to be honest. If you leave to go back to um, Florida, when you come back, I'm not sure you're going to have a position. And, and mind you, now football has become, is my idol at this time. And, I, and I'm really trying to wrestle with, man, should I go be with my family at this moment or should I, should, should I hold on to this idol? And, and, and I decide to do something that I really, there's not too many regrets. I don't even like using that word regret in my vocabulary. But if there's one moment in my life that I regret, it is that moment where I chose my idol over my family. And I chose to stay. And I didn't go to a, 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 see a psychiatrist or anything along those lines. But for the next three months, I, 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 I got a taste of what it means to be clinically depressed. I didn't, I didn't have that moment with my family to be able to grieve properly. I didn't have that moment with my family that I could be able to get closure. And I chose this thing that I thought was going to satisfy me. That I thought was going to bring me my, my, my joy that was going to be long-lasting. And it was the one thing that actually let me down. I went from starting to like third string to like, hey, why is this dude still on scholarship? Each week was worse and worse. So then, of course, I tried to, you know, do the coping methods. There wasn't enough alcohol 
that could cure the pain. There wasn't enough parties that I can go to to, to hide in the midst of, of the folks. There wasn't enough running around that I could do with my life to try to put it together, to try to take this pain away. It was when my mom came out to visit during family uh, weekend that I got a piece of that closure, but there was still that proverbial void. There was still that void in my life, in my heart of God, what, what is this? What is this? Quick story, in that, during that time for that four months, my grades, oh my goodness. I had, y'all don't be laughing at me now, but I had four Fs and a D during my, my midterm. I went to meet with my academic advisor. She said this, okay, here's our academic plan for you. You're going to go back home. You're going to pack up your truck. You're going to go back to Florida, and you're going to work at Popeye's. That, that's, that's, I said don't laugh at me. That, that's, your, that's your academic plan because right now you're wasting your time, the university's time, and money. And I couldn't do nothing but like, oh, you're kind of right. This thing that I had held so tightly and so dear to my heart had turned on me. And I'm asking God, all right, I, I don't know what this, I don't, this is, this, I don't know what this is. And so my mom comes out on a Friday. She goes to the game on Saturday. And in true Southern fashion, we're going to somebody's church on Sunday morning. I hadn't been to church all year. Mama come out, well, we got to go to church. I go to some, this little Baptist church up in Flagstaff. Couldn't tell you who the preacher was. Couldn't tell you what he preached about. It was all about 12 folks in the building. But as he was teaching, as he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, Guys, I'm telling you, it felt like the weight, every weight that I had been experiencing was just, he just came and just, let me, let me, let me take that for you. And then, then I felt this urge of like, okay, I, I think you're trying to tell me something. And he says, have you come to the end of yourself? So when I go back, I take my mom to the airport. I go, go back home to my little apartment, and I just grab a Bible. And one of my buddies, who's best, one of my really good friends right now, Josiah Gono, he had given me a Bible like before, this season before. And he, um, it was an FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes Bible, NIV version. And I'm looking through this thing. I'm looking through the contents, and I'm trying to find something about trials. Some, something about hardships. And, and, and I find this verse in James 1, consider pure joy to face trials of many kinds. And I'm looking through this and I'm thinking like, all right, why should I consider this joy? What is joyous about the possibility of living, losing your scholarship, getting kicked off a football team, having to move back to Florida, and facing your family as a failure? What joyous about this should I consider pure and joyous? And he said, just a prompting, just, just something, an unction to go back and look at the Gospels. And guys, as I'm reading of how Jesus, when he's being arrested and he's going from trial to trial, 
how he's being mocked, how he's pulling out his beard, how they're spitting on him, how they're teasing him. They put the crown of thorns on his head. It was as I, I, I can't tell you that it was a verbal voice of God, but it was definitely like, this is why. Because I know. I know. I know where you're at. I know where you've been. And I, I'm telling you, the response that I was talking about earlier in the message, the charismatic response, that when you, when you read something, when you hear someone share something, some kind of information that's good for you, there's a response. Hey, guys, your house is on fire. Your response is like, oh, that's great. Um, so what are we having for dinner? Your response is getting the heck up out of there. And my response to realizing just what I had in a beautiful Savior was simply this, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. With all of my failures, with all of our failures, with all of our flaws, with all of our blemishes and secret sins that we try to hide, Jesus has our confidence. The confidence that he shares with us in verse 16, that we can draw near to the throne of grace where we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is waiting on us. The, the throne of grace, not the throne of judgment, not the throne of wrath, not what we deserve, which, which is death. Not what we deserve is to be shamed and mocked and, and spit on ourselves. But what we receive is grace. And we receive it in, in the perfect time perfect timely fashion, the way God works it out. Our so what's for the night can be summed up in this manner. Jesus, our great mediator, serves as all the confidence we will ever need. He holds our confidence. He holds our lives. He holds our future. He holds it all. Therefore, we can hold fast to the confession of faith. He sympathizes with us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our tendencies. He knows it. He knows your struggles. He knows what you're trying to do at night to cope with the pain. He knows. And yet we can go to him. We can go to him because he sits on the throne of grace And as he said in 2 Samuel, on his throne, in his kingdom, it's established forever. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time. God, thank you for the truth of who you are and your word. And the so many vast and glorious ways that you serve us and and challenge us and And really allow us to be who we are only through the person of Jesus. I pray tonight that, God, we would 
really take a hold of this passage and allow it to do what only you can do to our hearts. God, that you would draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.